Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episodes 4 through 6 of season 2. last like a uh, chunk of episodes i decided to check out some of the ova okay that thing sucks i believe it i haven't seen it it is uh, take all of the humor and the character and like the pomp out of jojo's bizarre adventure and then instead have it take itself very very seriously oh but i love the pomp i and i love the circumstance but <laughs> This is all circumstance and no pomp. And we both love Macho Man Randy Savage. Damn straight. Uh, the living JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character, that man. Pretty much. But it's... Like, I know they're trying to tell the story expediently, but... Okay, so, like, what if instead of the Holly that you know where she is, like, super cheerful... Uh, is just trying to like treating her son in a way that like uh is not consistent with the way that he behaves and like all the stuff that makes Holly Holly and instead she just uh speaks very dryly, uh barely says anything at all, and has like zero character. So when you watch it this is like the beginning? The way that they divided it up is sort of weird. Where well, the cause... original OPA was like the it, it was the like last the half yeah it's the last half and then they put out another one in like 2000 or something like that which is the first half yep uh so i went and watched like the the first couple episodes of the what would be the first half okay <clears throat> i don't know but, i haven't seen it but i believe that's bad it it is essentially what if every single character was jotaro Ugh. Like, no one has any personality. It's awful. Yeah, that sounds like a chore. Yeah. No good, recognizable music anywhere in there. It sucks. It's like somebody sucked, like a wraith came along and just sucked the soul out of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Like the Nazgul himself blew yep. in and I was gonna... sucked the soul I... out. I was going to watch all of it, like, as I made my way, uh, like, I don't want to, like, get ahead and spoil stuff for myself, so I was going to do it in such a way that, like, I'm watching an OVA every so many episodes, so I know I'm not getting too far ahead, but, like, I got two in, and I just don't care to watch any more of that thing. Yeah. Which is a shame, because I actually really like the animation in it. Okay. What I saw like, doesn't it quite did not look great. It doesn't quite look like JoJo's, but it still has that late 2000s, early aughts OVA animation quality that I just really like, so. Did you just say late 2000s, early aughts? No, no, no. I, I thought I said late 90s. I might have misspoke. Okay. I might I probably said the wrong thing. 
By the way. What? Main thing I'm seeing on AV Club right now is Alien 3 is so much better than David Fincher and his reputation insists, and that's just a lie. There are parts of Alien 3 that are okay. <laughs> that movie is exactly as bad as its reputation in David Fincher insists. Uh, I don't know. It's not nearly as bad as Alien Resurrection. Well, no. You would have to actively try to be worse than Alien Resurrection. Prometheus isn't as bad as Alien Resurrection. Prometheus, I would say, is the one that's like, it's not as bad as its reputation would make you think. I would agree. Like, I actually thought that Prometheus was a perfectly fine movie. Like, it was, I understand that there, there's some serious problems with the narrative in that thing, but I enjoyed myself. When there I are some, it. but... People seem to think that characters doing stupid things is a fault of the script. And it can be, but sometimes characters are just stupid. People do stupid things. Yeah. People panic and they go get an alien abortion. <laughs> well, no, not that. <laughs> they don't really think it through. No, that's, well. that's the part that makes sense. I mean... Guy like, oh, look at this little thing, yeah, what a cutie, and then uh, when they're being chased, the, the big thing is rolling toward them, and all they have to do is run to the side, but instead yeah. just keep running directly in front of it. Stuff like that. Characters did things in the first Alien. Yeah, Harry Dean first... Stanton, he was a real fucking dumbass. It's like, let's keep splitting up. Like, it's a terrible idea. Stay together. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. He walked out into the desert, having not said anything for years, and was never heard from again. <laughs> well, no. First he came back, and he found a kid, and he uh, gave a long monologue in a, I guess a strip club? Peep show? Whatever yeah, a weird it. show sex booth telephone <laughs> setup. And then he drove off again, never to be seen. Also, yeah, John Lurie he... was there. <laughs> That movie, man, is one of just the saddest movies I've seen. Just him slowly realizing over the course of it that he was an abusive husband and, the, like, they tried to kill him? Or was it that so. he tried to kill them? I can't remember. No. There was, like, a fire or something like that. That's yeah. what makes him lose his memory. Yeah, there, there was a fire. But uh, I think he sort of jumps out during that and then realizes that he needs to leave. I don't think but it was caused whole... by anybody. Yeah, that 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 whole bit though with him making making his confession and like it just keeps going. Yeah, it's just a long unbroken shot of Natasha Lekinsky. Yeah, it's uh, I it's real rough but Paris, very Texas. good watch. Yeah, Paris, Texas is uh, fantastic. Yeah, Dean Stockwell in that movie looks like. Uh, the perfect fusion of Sam Rockwell and Dan Hedaya. I love it. Oh man, he does. Also, he has that French wife. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That movie, uh, Paris, Texas, better than Aliens 3. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. This movie, I would probably put in my top ten of all time, is better than a movie I don't like much. I'd, uh, I'd go so far as to say, 
probably better than Alien vs. Predator. I'd go so far as to say that don't impress on me much. <laughs> I'm Larry Davis, fan of Vim Vendor's filmography. Uh, with me is George Brundle, who doesn't know much about Vim Vendors, but he has seen Paris, Texas at least, because I bought it for him, because it's the only goddamn way I can get him to view anything. Yep. Only way it's to... also just part of my plan to get you to fund all of my movie watching. I kind of already do. It's the only yeah. way to force culture into your Neanderthal brain. Uh, and we're watching the most cultural tv show right cult the most it has the most culture it's the best everybody loves Larry, everybody I'm, saying so i'm learning a lot about um music and japanese culture okay i mean i feel i'm growing culturally because of jojo's bizarre adventure good the mission uh, for accomplished example, in in this first episode, I understand that uh, massacre is another word for slaughter. <laughs> and I didn't know that before. I didn't know it. Did you know that you can't spell slaughter without laughter? Uh, yeah, because that was in that Batman movie that was real good. It was with the jokester. Uh, the side of his truck in that scene uh says laughter is the best medicine, but then he spray painted an S in front of it. Because you get it, it says slaughter is the best medicine. It's the joke. Which movie is that? Uh, the Dark Knight. Something that shitty was in The Dark Knight? Yes. Yeah. It's like wow. extremely briefly blink if you miss it kind of thing. But yeah, that was in there. Man, that just makes me feel even better about preferring Batman Begins. I really love The Dark Knight. Like a whole lot, but yes, Batman Begins is like infinitely a better Batman movie. Batman Begins, look, R.I.P. Heath Ledger, his version of Joker is great, but Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow, mwah, magnifico. Uh, Liam, Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul is That's really right. good. Sure, I mean, you know, he's kind of just being Liam Neeson, but sure. Yeah, the casting in all those movies until The Dark Knight Rises is extremely good. Still don't like Bane, huh? I I do, but not for the reasons Christopher Nolan wants me to like Bane. Well, what's our problem with Bane? <laughs> no. Everybody loves Bane. Bane, you're not obeying the restraining order that Larry took out against you. Well... I had my lawyer take a look at it, uh, and that's, he said, I'm calling the courts. It is no, not I'm calling the courts. in court. I'm calling the courts, babe. You're free. This is... This is a bad bit. I apologize to the listeners. I'm back. I'm here. I just walked into my closet for some reason as part of that bit. Oh, you have a walk-in closet? No. Just slammed into the door? Yeah. No, I mean, I just... I stepped inside my closet. It's not a walk-in closet, but my body can fit in there. Oh, sure, because you're a tiny man. What, what the fuck did we... Did we watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? No, we watched The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Why did we do that? I don't know. It's still terrible. Yeah. That's 
the movie that's my prometheus where i saw that thing and then got out of the theater and was fucking pissed yeah at every decision every character made in that movie i actually just saw something on twitter today that was uh trending which was um what's the worst movie that you've ever paid to see in a theater and i think for me it's dark knight rises i can't think of anything worse really you can't think of anything worse oh god damn it right we saw meet the spartans yeah Yeah, that's definitely it granted my fault and i apologize yeah you still paid for your own ticket yeah i'm not sure i would count that was on you but okay (laughs) the one i chose to see the worst movie i have chosen to see in a theater is dark knight rises should I tell the story about how sorry I was seeing Meet the Spartans sure, and what I did to my as, as wretched? So, to to set this up, we were hanging out one day. It was a rainy day. We we're like, we're going to go see a movie, but what movies should we see? And it was between Rambo, a good movie. Yeah, the uh, that I've still not. not... It'd be what two thousand eight Rambo. Yeah, um, it was the most. It was recent either one. early two thousand eight or it was like two thousand. It was somewhere around there, or. Meet the Spartans, which we knew was going to be an absolutely terrible movie, but we were sort of curious to see just how bad it was, and we could just yell shit at the screen. So we decided, or I decided, to flip a coin, and I was the one who flipped it, and it came up saying we need to go see Meet the Spartans. And about halfway through the movie, I felt so bad about putting us up to this, I straight up socked myself in the testicles just fucking punched myself right in the nuts it was not uh, it was not a like half hit you fully oh, went no. in on it yeah and there was this old couple sitting right next to us that just saw me wail <laughs> on my crotch and they were mortified also that theater was packed there were tons of people in there I... yeah it was they were like we gotta see meet the spartans Oh, I've Christ. never look. There's there's people who are going to watch Snow Dogs and throwing in Hitch. People's movie tastes beyond me, man. I there are fuck. people that like The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, they're sickos and they need to be locked up. So Dio is uh, having sex with a bunch of ladies. <laughs> Mentioning this time. Okay, episode four, Tower of Grey. Okay, go. Yes, Dio was having sex with with a bunch of ladies, uh, while an old old woman, who in my subtitles is referred to Inya, but they are very clearly saying Inyaba, mm-hmm. uh, is like talking about fear and uh, eh, it's kind of a whatever scene. It's just sort of like if you've ever heard like a villain pontificate about what fear means you've heard what inyaba is saying to dio she's saying that um the stardust crusaders are a uh, superstitious and cowardly lot right <laughs> exactly dio looks Wouldn't at he's it... like ah yes i shall become a vampire oh wait i already <laughs> am one mission accomplished uh do they ever actually call themselves stardust crusaders in this I don't think so. Okay. I know that that is used to refer to their group, but I did not know if that was ever a 
everything. Um, meanwhile, uh, the Joe Stars and their gang are on that plane from the last episode, and they notice a stag beetle in the plane and wonder if it's a bug-shaped stand, uh, but they lose it in between the shadows of the seats. And then it pops up again, and the bug is freaking out! Yeah. Like, oh, this has to be a stand. Look at it. Yeah. It's like, this is a normal stag beetle at first. Is it a stand? And then it pops up and starts going like, and it's like, no, that's definitely, that's a stand. It's like, that's what stands do. That is 100% a stand. Uh, um, so Joe tries to attack it, uh, but even Star Platinum's speed and precision are not enough. Oh yes, and during this, everybody else on the plane is asleep. Yeah, I had noted like this has never happened in the history of aviation. Yeah, <laughs> there is not a child screaming at the top of its lungs on that plane. That is how you know that this is a work of fiction. Oh, did you see that thing? Um... In news a while back uh, Where a window on the plane Got blown out Oh Christ and I some, wonder if some lady traffic video of that has gone up There might be uh, Some lady like got sucked Halfway through it I think And was kind of like lodged in the window Holy shit Yeah I heard about this from Never Not Funny So it might be completely inaccurate <laughs> <laughs> But I, I is she okay? I think so. Damn. Like I, I, I think she kind of like plugged it up in a way from what I remember hearing. With her body? Yeah. All right. I think. That, uh, there, there was a air traffic control uh, recording that was like the damn door of the plane flew off. Hmm. And they had to make an emergency landing. They're like, yeah, we've lost... All pressure in the cabin, like we need to land. Well, in this, it, it seems like it was almost like um, snakes in a plane or snakes on a plane, with Samuel oh. L. Jackson just like saying like, uh, "I need to open some motherfucking windows and blap." The, so the the thing that nobody ever brings up about that scene of snakes on a plane, there is a woman that entire movie who has a baby, and if you watch very closely, when all the snakes and everything else is getting sucked out of that plane. A CGI baby just gets flung <laughs> out with all the things. And I, every single time you see her in the rest of the movie, that there's it's never brought into focus. She's just in the background. She ain't holding the baby anymore. Great. Great. Good job, <laughs> Sammy J. That's an Easter egg. Had Samuel Jackson murder an infant. Snakes on a Plane is all right. It's a yeah, it's a pretty good movie. I saw that in the theater with my dad, and there was one other guy in there. <laughs> That's I saw it opening night and it was fairly crowded because I remember Snakes on a Plane being kind of a big deal. Yeah. I have a poster of Snakes on a Plane. Nice. I like that scene of Snakes on a Plane, uh, where Samuel L. Jackson has uh Joseph in the interrogation room and he's like, Dio Brando will kill you. If you let them. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> so, that, remember that part where after he sucks all the planes out, or the he sucks all the planes out, <laughs> all the snakes out of the side of the plane. Somebody asks if the snakes deserve to die, and he says, "Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell." Uh, I ruined like that with my mush mouth. <laughs> yeah, I do like that, Keenan. Thompson lands that fucking plane though. 
Turn this big motherfucker left, Troy. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for playing. Great movie. Uh, maybe watch that instead of this episode because uh, this is kind of a mediocre episode. Keenan, uh, remember Keenan can land a plane because he plays video games. Yeah, he played a bunch of like Grand Theft Auto or something. Like he, yeah, PlayStation. Like he says something like that. That that translates. Yeah. Uh, also, Abdul... please don't call this show mediocre. This don't episode, don't us. This episode I felt is kind of eh. Oh, you mean the episode of JoJo? Yes, this episode oh. of JoJo is kind of a, a whatever episode. Yeah, kind of. Um, um, in the previous part you were asking if there were any guys that kind of just showed up and got murked immediately, and I said I didn't remember any, and uh, here's one for you. Yeah, uh, Abdul deduces that the stand belongs to Tower of Grey, uh, a stand which commits mass murder disguised as accidents. Uh, and so they're still trying to hit this uh, stag beetle. Uh, Platinum's doing his aura, aura, aura thing. Uh, but the stand user taunts that even if he shot 10 guns simultaneously from one centimeter away, it would never be able to touch his stand. Yeah, which I don't... I don't think that's right. Yeah, well... I feel like like Star Platinum should easily be able to get him. Yeah. Uh, but Tower then just starts burrowing, burrowing uh, through a bunch of seats and just ripping dudes' tongues out because it's <laughs> way into collecting tongues. Which, like, that is a great bit of just going head-to-head head and then a bunch of tongues. Yeah, it just, like, shoots straight through a row of seats. And then it has all these tongues and it's just like, bingo! Yep. And then... It- uh, it uses the tongues as a brush to paint the word massacre on the wall. Yep. Uh, one character says massacre. In other words, a slaughter. <laughs> I don't remember if they said that in mine. Uh, but Ad... 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 Adbull? I think I'm suffering from a stroke. Avdol. Avdol. Jesus Christ. Anyway, he's just like, I'm gonna, I'll use Magician's Red and start a fire in a plane. That will kill it. <laughs> It'll kill everyone else too, but it will definitely kill a stand. Abdul's a simple man. He doesn't understand. And Kakuin's just like, look, you morons. If you do that, you'll kill everybody. If Star Platinum punches the side of this plane, it's going to like break the fuselage. We have to use my stand. It's the only one that can like do this without murdering everybody else. Even though uh, like, uh, they kind of blew up that nurse's office, so... Uh, and this old dude, he wakes up, and he sees the words on the wall, and he's so freaked out, he spits his dentures out. Yep, and they spin around in midair, and it's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, and then Cat going just Austin powers this guy asleep, just like karate yep. chops him in the back of the head. Yep, just judo chop. Done. Uh, so... Kakoin uses uh, Emerald Splash a bunch, but Tower just keeps like dodging it and like taunting like that. That's a useless move. Like we've established that I am way faster than any of you guys are able to deal with. Uh, but it was a distraction, so he could loop his stand's tentacles around the seats, and then they can like pierce him all at once. And then the old man that uh, Kakoin knocked out dies because it was obviously he was the stand user. Like no shit. So he, okay, 
but if ten guns were surrounding him and shot him from one centimeter away, he would still be able to dodge it, but these tentacles that were further away and also Hierophant Green doesn't seem that fast? That worked? The idea is that the Emerald Splash is distracting him, so he doesn't notice the tentacles coming up. But also, like, I... I don't know. I also sort of feel like him taunting about the ten guns thing was just him like. But he dodged being super all of Star Platinum's oh. auras. I don't. Yeah. He, here he, he, to be he real, he's taken out like a, despite making Star Platinum look like even more of a punk. Here's the thing, though. I feel like this is just this is a squash uh, squash match to make uh, Kakyoin and Hierophant Green look more useful. Yeah, which this is the only point in time that they actually seem useful besides like uh I think like a couple episodes later they like catch somebody. He does some stuff later on. But mm. for the most part, Kakyoin's kinda dead it's, weight. It's it's sort of weird because I think his stand's power of like being able to remotely manipulate people actually seems like that could be used to some effect. Like, that could be used in really interesting ways, and it just never seems to actually come up again. Like, he mostly just uses Emerald Splash or, like, catches things. Yeah. Which That's the thing. The, a bit of a bummer. The stand powers later on get much more obscure. Um, Like, there are a lot of them that are very utility-based or something like that, you know, where... I don't want to ruin any particular examples, but they have uses beyond just punch this thing really hard or set this on fire. Uh, and they can be used in really creative ways. And I feel like Hierophant Green was kind of the start of him trying to do something like that, but just doesn't really use it to its full potential. Yeah. Uh, but they just prop this old man's hysterically dead body up in a seat. His tongue splits Which in half for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then Joseph notices that the plane is flying crooked, so he goes to the cockpit. The stewardesses are awake and, like, I guess didn't notice any of this going on until the gang is, like, trying to bust into the cockpit. Again, like, and... this might have all happened within 20 seconds. True. Uh, also, <laughs> these stewardesses doing the right thing, not letting a stranger into the cockpit, but then as soon as they see Jotaro, a hunk, walk up, they're way more interested fawning over him. Yeah, and Jotaro says, move, bitch. <laughs> just, like, shoves oh, them in the way. Mine is just, move it, woman. Oh, uh, see, I like move, bitch, because it's like, move, bitch, get out the way. Yeah. Or it's very is a, close is to... Is that a music reference? Yes. Uh, is that from a song? Yeah, there aren't many in uh, Stardust Crusaders so far, which is weird. Yeah. Um, yeah it it's also closer to the Clarence Boddicker classic line, Bitches Leave. <laughs> uh, isn't there, like, one of the parts... I think Stone Ocean is more to do with, like, uh, fashion brands than it is music. Mm, yes. Yeah. And um, one of them has a lot of food. It's a Vento Aurea. Has a lot of food stuff. But the thing is, all of those also are 
the names and the stand names are still music references. Oh, okay. Uh, the pilots in the cockpit are dead, though. And obviously, plane's going to crash because you don't got... Look, I've, I've listened to enough air traffic control <laughs> audios to know. If you don't have pilots, plane crash. What? I, yeah, I know. It's weird. Uh, the old man shows back up and he's gushing blood everywhere and he's raving about like how great Dio is and like yeah, even if they survive and like th- like the crash they'll be thousands of miles from Egypt and they will be hunted like every day by stand users. I have a question. In your version, yeah. um, how much of the dude's like split tongue and stuff could you see? Because mine had like a ton of the black haze over it. There was some black haze. Um, I I think that, from what I remember of it, I actually thought it was unusual. Like, they were blocking out more than I was kind of used to. Yeah. Okay, I just wonder. Yeah, mine might have been just about as censored as yours. It was in, probably in this the sense. same. Mm. Uh, but anyway, Jotaro is sort of just like, hey, Joseph, like, you know how to fly. Like, why don't you land the plane and and Joseph brings up a really good point. He's like, if I do this, this will be my third time crashing a plane. <laughs> yeah. And I feel I've gotten real lucky living the first two times. So, And Jotaro actually does kind of make a joke here where he's like, I am never getting on a plane with you again. <laughs> yeah, getting on planes with Joseph is a bad idea. Uh, but he manages to pull off the crash landing and everyone is rescued off the plane and everybody is alive except for, you know, the three dudes who lost their tongues and the pilots and the stand user. They are all definitely dead. Yeah, apart from uh, those guys, we're A-OK. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, I'd written here, by the way, it, Well, the, so they get into Hong Kong mm-hmm. and uh, I I'd mentioned here, Joseph's reaction to the concept of hot cola is exactly the same as mine. Yep, me too. That guy, it, okay, I had to write down what that guy at the stand said. He said, hey, dandy guy, want some hot cola? And I really like him calling Joseph dandy guy. <laughs> Joseph's reaction to it is just like, hot cola? Ugh. Yeah, uh, yes, I thought the exact same thing. I, that must not be literally... Like cola, but hot. It must be something else. Because I can't uh, imagine. Why don't you look that? I would look that up myself if my keyboard is excessively loud. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. Okay, I'm very curious what hot cola. Like, if that is exactly what it sounds like, then I don't want anything to do with it. Um, I'm starting to think that JoJo made this up. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Or is like the first result of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? No. Oh. No. Um here's uh from seriouseats.com is a thing that says snapshots from Hong Kong boiled coke with ginger and lemon. Uh but this was the only one that I could find. It says boiled coke with ginger and lemon started off as a popular cold remedy in Hong Kong. But now it's a popular anytime drink that's found at pretty much all Hong Kong diners. That sounds terrible. It really does. Yeah, this says, like, if you've never had boiled Coke with ginger and lemon, try making it at home. The name is self-explanatory. 
So I no. guess it literally is just boil. Ew, that sounds god awful. Yeah. You know me, I'm usually like extremely into trying just about any kind of food. I want nothing to do with hot soda. Same. Warm soda is terrible. Yeah. Oh god, that okay. Anyway. Uh you know because what, Joseph has warm orange soda can be okay. I guess. That's the only one. I like, I like grape soda. Oh, I love grape soda, but I'm si- but not warm grape soda. That's fucking no, gross. Grape soda needs to be like ice cold. Yeah. The coldest of cold. Mm-hmm. Grape soda on ice. Yeah. Man, I really want to get some grape soda. Me too. Uh so Joseph is like uh basically they're like, look, we should not take like airplanes anymore or anything where there's a bunch of other people who could get seriously hurt just by being around us because like stand users are going to be coming after us and he his reasoning here is great where he's just like i read the book around the world in 80 days and if they can make it around the entire world in 80 days on a hot air balloon that we can make it on foot to egypt in 50 days mm-hmm. which well, specifically he's not wrong yeah but also like what well, he means that was before, you know, cars and uh, steam engines and whatever. I still think that is such a weird leap of just like, I read this fictional book about flying around the world in 80 days, so I guess we could get to Egypt. But it was like it's by not Jules even... Verne. Jules Verne, you know, he, his things were rooted in some amount of science, at least. It wasn't like H.G. Wells, who was just a fucking lunatic. (laughs) I I mostly mean this as, like, instead of Joseph just reasoning that, like, there's cars, there's boats, there's other ways, and Egypt is really not that far, we can still make it. It is specifically starting from the perspective of, I read a fictional story once. Sure. Yeah. It is based purely off of fiction that he believes that he can get to Egypt. But that's Joseph. I know, I love Joseph, that's what I'm saying. This is another instance, like, between the hot cola thing and this, this is still Joseph-ass Joseph. Age has not made him stop being a dummy one bit. So uh, He he is not wizened with age, he's maybe gotten more stupid. So, um, is... Are they in the restaurant at the end of this episode? Yeah, uh... They go to a Chinese place, uh, like Joseph knows the owner or something like that, and uh, a dude with sick hair approaches them. Yeah. Uh, also wrote here, Kakoin is extremely into Chinese culture, uh, but he cannot read, uh, or no, Polnareff cannot read his menu. Uh, and no, so Joseph K- being... Kakoin is into it because he demonstrates like, if you do this with the teapot they know to bring you more and then when they bring you more you yeah. tap on the table and it's like thank you I I just I made that note in a really weird spot which is what it threw me off for a second uh, but Paul and Ref, the, the dude with the sick hair uh, he can't read his menu and so Joseph being like a really nice guy is like okay well, why don't you sit with us and I'll order something for everybody because uh, he's been to China plenty of times. Uh, but what he orders is a fucking disaster. Yeah, he says, oh, you want some uh, shark fin and some whatever? 
And then when he gets back, it's just a fish head and fried frogs. And a couple of things that actually didn't look too bad, I guess. But Yeah. Uh, but the dude with the dope hair, Polnareff, pulls out a carrot shaped like a star. And it says it reminds him of a man he knows with a star on the back of his neck. And then a rapier shoots out of Joseph's bowl of soup. <laughs> it's like uh, the end of the... Um the Deo scene in Beetlejuice where the shrimp cocktails <laughs> are hands yes. that grab them. It's basically that, but with a rapier coming out of the middle of the table of a bowl of soup. And then there's this really good bit where, like, the table gets knocked over, and Magician's Red it, like, comes out to attack, and it sets fire to a few things, including the table, and Abdul is like, I've made a fire clock Abdul. on that table. I will kill you before it strikes twelve. No, um, Polnareff does it. He cuts the flame to uh, redirect no, it to because... the table. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, never mind. I thought that Polnareff is the one that puts it out. Nope. Oh, but that's... That's Abdul. Never mind. I got them backwards. Abdul. Abdullah the Butcher. Yep. It, I mean, still, dude made a clock mm-hmm. out of fire. Yeah, Polnareff's cool. I mean, that's... Is pretty dope. It is. It's some real good showboating. And from seeing Polnareff, now you know uh, where Benny Maru from King of Fighters came from. Because he is straight up, straight up just Polnareff. They did not change anything. Oh, that would be a good exhibition match. Ooh, it would. Mm, I'm, when we're done here, I might need to look into setting that up. Okay. Uh, but for now, Suda's notes. What is. Yeah, Suda says. Um, oh, uh, actually, I should probably just read because right above the Suda notes are manga anime differences. Um, that bit with Inyaba is unique to the anime. I I kind of figure that it might be like a lot of these Dio bits because for a while here we open episodes with Dio. And I mentioned before, when I flipped through my books, I did not see that much of Dio. Yeah, I don't remember much Dio either. Um, Also, that bit with them in front of the food vendor with the hot cola is new for the anime. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Iraqi should have conceptualized that from the start, (laughs) because it's perfect. That Yes, I agree. That was a plus. The Dio one, unnecessary. Yeah. Suda says... We find ourselves inside a plane in the middle of the night, so the episode is in general somewhat dark, for sure. Ha ha ha. The layout of the aircraft cabin was made through 3D, but goes well with the rest of the characters. I actually don't think I even noticed that. Yeah, there, there's some real good use of 3D in the actual episodes now, both from the sense that like it is not as easy to notice it, and when it is easy to notice, it's typically used in a way that's very stylistic. I did notice some in the ship, and it was fine. Yeah. I don't think I noticed the interior of the cabin. Yeah, a far cry from the completely motionless bodies of Wamu and Joseph. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's see if it goes well with it. Because the place was cramped with very complex angles, to do everything by hand would likely result in composition errors. Here's the first true stand attack. 
Tower of Grey is a rather weak stand for a first battle, but it's perfectly repulsive with a second mouth jaw coming out of its mouth. Speaking of alien. Kakuin enters the scene to properly and calmly deal with it. His strategy is rather interesting, shooting emerald splashes everywhere. Ha ha ha. Kenichi Suzuki, the series director, took care to portray Hong Kong in the second half of the episode as true to life as possible. Drawing the food ate up a lot of time, but the, but the essential was to be able to look at the table and think the food looked delicious. This is also the beginning of the cultural scenes accompanying every step of the journey. At the end, we get Polnareff's first appearance. His stand springing out of the bowl was a brilliant idea. Hats off to Mr. Araki. The fire clock, drawn by Silver Chariot, is also beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which, by, by the way, Polnareff's stand is Silver Chariot. So. Yeah, Silver Chariot! Yeah. So, Next, episode five. Episode five. Silver yes, Chariot. Opens, yeah, this opens up. Uh, Silver Chariot can move so fast that it's able to skewer five quarters and five embers together like a shish kebab, uh, separating them in an alternating pattern. Mm -hmm. So, this so, is something the, the anime portrays it as one stab that he somehow does that with. When I had read it, I always thought it was that he was so fast he was able to do it in several stabs without people even seeing it. I hmm. guess it's just one, which I guess makes it <coughs> more miraculous in a way, because he's able to alternate them like that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think this is also a really cool way to show kind of what his stand is capable of. Like Yes. Like, you thought that that beetle could move fast. Like, fast enough that it could dodge Star Platinum, which you also thought was, like, really fast. But it's like, oh, no, Silver Chariot is, like, capable of some real shit. Mm -hmm. The thing is... Uh, in fact, I don't know if anything's been shown to necessarily be faster than it so um, far. One of the things... Where I'm at it. This part runs into is I have mentioned to you before... That there's a character in part four whose stand is so absurdly powerful that he kind of just ends up getting knocked out of a lot of fights or like he's not present or something happens to keep him out of commission during it because otherwise he would just immediately win and i feel like that kind of ends up happening a lot with silver chariot too yeah uh i kind of see how that could be the case thinking of like a few other like instances of him fighting Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he he shows himself to be very honorable because he he tells uh, Advil close <sighs> enough. That's better yeah. than Abdul. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Uh, Nobody gonna he, break he your says that like <laughs> he's just like, hey, I know your stand is like more powerful in open spaces, and I want a fair fight. So like, why don't you come with me? We're going to go to like the Tiger Bomb Garden, which awesomely like cartoony colorful gaudy plays like a bunch of like animal statues and very bright paint and like it, it's a really cool sort of set piece it's a real thing too in. yeah yeah uh which like the whole thing going through my mind seeing that was i know that araki had to draw that in the comic and like i cannot imagine 
how much effort and time that must have taken to draw that and keep it consistent. So I read this bit very recently. For one thing, the garden in the comic does not look like this. Oh, okay. Um, is it like is it sort of simplified? It kind of just looks like a regular garden. I don't know if like the garden itself changed uh, at some point or what, but or it could be because it's in black and white that you don't see how weird it looks. Um, the other thing is the anime does not have wait, does it have the weird tourism information in it? I don't remember that now because I don't think it does in the comic. It has this whole thing about this opened and blah 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 by the guy that sold Tiger Bomb and it's open seven days a week for a small fee for anybody to come visit it. Actually, I think it might actually mention that, but very briefly, I don't know if it gets super wordy with it. Yeah, it, it's a big thing. I think I, I think Kekoin being kind of like a a nut for Chinese culture, he explains a little bit about it, but like yeah. Not a whole lot. Well, I wondered if it did because so in part four, all of it takes place within Morio, which is a I think fictional Japanese town. But a lot of the bumpers between or before and after commercials are for tourism destinations within it. Which is also mm. weird because they're only on screen for like three seconds or something, and they have these giant walls of text on them. So you really have to pause it if you want to read it, but they have some good stuff in there. Yeah, well, I I know that they they say enough about it that it really indicated to me that this is an actual place because otherwise they would not be taking the amount of time to give attention to it that they are. Because uh, I actually did not know the Tiger Bomb Garden was a thing uh, mm -hmm. before watching. It's a background so. in a a Street Fighter game. I don't remember if it's four or five. Hmm. Well, anyway. Uh, Chariot is uh, pretty much like reflecting everything the magicians read is uh, sending at it into like a statue of a bird which like knocks a bunch of chunks off of it until it's just like in the form of magicians red yeah they thought that he was like deflecting the flame and it's like oh no he was just toying with us he was just yeah. carving out a statue of magi magicians red that's a hard name to say Mine, the one I have trouble with is Hierophant Green. Because oh, I, I trip all over the word Hierophant. For me, it's because of the extra S at the end of Magicians. Like, I want yeah. to say Magician Red, but it's Magician's like, Red. Like, most of them don't attribute it to the tarot card so much as it is just tarot card name, yep. color. Um, but... Uh, Magician's Red uses its ultimate move, Crossfire Hurricane, yes. which sends out like an an onk in like covered in flames, like a, a flame made onk. Mm -hmm. uh, but one ref reflects it like it's nothing, and the flames begin to burn Magician's Red and by proxy Advil. Yep. Uh, I was really glad in my version, Crossfire Hurricane was unchanged. I expected uh, them to they change, change that. Is it is it like changed in a few things or is it not yet? 
from uh, looking at the episode titles, I know that Vanilla Ice is changed to Cool Ice. And there are well, some I mean, others. Vanilla Ice is very cool. Yeah, you know, Rob Van Winkle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, with a name like that, how could he not be? Well, there's also think like Rob some Van Winkle, stuff. every day he wakes up and he says, what year is it? I think Vanilla Ice wakes up every day and just mutters, oh Christ, under his breath. <laughs> Do you ever watch that show he made where, um... Fuck, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, let me finish. Uh, where he was building houses or something? It was all I'm like... I'm reiterating. <laughs> no, I didn't. All right. Much like Hog Cola, I want nothing to do with that. I can't blame you. I bet no eyes drinks hot cola. Fucking freak. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that I mentioned this to you on like a on a phone call, but there is some instances uh, in part three, well, a couple, where they had to change stuff uh, for cultural reasons. Um, in the OVA, uh, there's a bit where Dio is reading the Quran, and a bunch of people freaked out about that because people are dumb in the head. And care mm-hmm. way too much about cartoons. Yeah. Says me recording multiple hour and a half long podcasts about a cartoon. Uh, so they had to like pull the OVA and uh, like change what he was reading. And then like they've never began redistribution in the United States for that. Like once they pulled it, they pulled it for good. And then in the manga, there is a bit where like they destroy a mosque. And at the same time they were pulling the stuff for the crayon, they had to pull the comic off the market too. And then Rocky had to completely redraw the panel so it wasn't a mosque. It was like a radio tower or something like that. Now by mosque, you're saying mask with a British accent, right? Absolutely. Okay. It's my favorite part of the Mission Impossible movies where Simon Pegg talks about the mosque machine. Uh, but but yeah, I guess like it, if they had to change the onk for cultural reasons, I suppose I would understand. I also don't. That doesn't strike me as something that people would necessarily get super upset about. Although I guess like it being on fire would what maybe are you talking be considered. About? Why like, would they if, change it? You were mentioning like if they changed that. The name, dumbass, Crossfire Hurricane. Okay, I thought maybe, like, changing the Ankh to something else. No, I... nobody cares about the Ankh. The Egyptians are all dead. <laughs> They're all rotting in their fucking pyramids where they belong. Oh, my God. Christ. I saw Cleopatra. I know what they were <laughs> up to. <laughs> I saw the Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. getting back on track here. Polnareff says uh, that he's going to destroy... Yes, I'm glad Yul Brynner is dead. (laughs) Look, we all are, but it's not the time, it's not the place. Uh, He says he's going to kill Advil using his own stand power uh, now that he's engulfed in flames, and uh, Polnareff is like, ah, my prediction came true, you're burning to death, sucker. There's, I think it's around here where Polnareff also does a yare yare daze. Hmm. Stealing Jotaro's uh, catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, but Magician's has. Red goes for a desperation in- attack, uh, and Chariot slices it in half. Uh, but it was just the statue he carved earlier. It was mm-hmm. all a ruse. 
the flames in front of the statue obscured its true nature. It also melted the joints, so it looked like it was moving. <laughs> Which, <Yeah. laughs> what? Yeah, I I Excuse also me? took note of that part. Rocky <laughs> does not understand Aesop's fables. How stone works. <laughs> I mean, it, it could melt some of the stuff. It would have to be super hot. Super hot. Super hot. Thank you. I was going to have to if you didn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- this is where like, it, it comes up that it, like Ethel's like, I have complete control over my flames. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're not going to burn me, dude. So suck it. Yeah. Uh, he, he does, like, a cross-chopping motion to his crotch while he says that. <laughs> the cerebral assassin is what they call Avdol. Uh, but he uses Crossfire Hurricane uh, one more time. Uh, but this time it um, actually knocks Polnareff down, and everyone's like, all right, well, he's dead, let's go get lunch. Never count Polnareff out. No, this chariot just blows up. Mm-hmm. And then he's, Polnareff is flying while laying down and going, bravo, bravo. <laughs> yep, yeah, he's clapping for him. Yeah. Uh, but he explains that, like, um, he can take off Chariot's armor, like, just blow it off. And that, uh, like, the armor limits its speed, even though it's, like, already incredibly fast. Now it's even faster. Mm-hmm. It's basically, uh, and um, he says, "It's like uh, the weighted clothes in Dragon Ball." Yeah, like that bit where Frieza like blows off his body armor. Well, the armor wasn't weighing him down, though. Hmm. Like he he just blows it off because he's getting bigger. It's not like ah, now I'm even faster. Yeah. Frieza gets big. You need to watch Dragon Ball again, I think, because you seem to I, misunderstand a lot of things about Frieza. It has actually been a while. It's you been need a hot to minute. you need to study Frieza-nomics. I am rereading the manga, and I have reached the part where Vegeta and uh, the Krillin and the the little dude uh, Gohan, Mini Goku, they team up. <laughs> the little dude. Yeah. Oh, so you've gotten anyway, to Mondo Cool. No, not yet. Uh, oh. This is like the Ginyu Force is showing up. Oh, okay. This is the part where Vegeta's like, shit, 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 we need the Dragon Balls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Ponorev says, and I quote, now I'll show you something that'll blow your socks off. Mm-hmm. I love Ponorev so much. Uh, but he uses the afterimage technique, speaking of Dragon Ball. Yeah. And uh, uh yes. Yes. And uh, you know, he can't hit chariot. He's just like wasting his energy trying to like land an attack against the guy. He doesn't know which one's the real one. I feel like um in my version he called it something else. I think he used the same term as from Naruto. Hmm. I don't remember. I think in mine they're just like, oh, after images. Uh he had a name for it, I think. But um, what what was My it name. called in Naruto? The Shadow Clone Jutsu. Uh, I don't know because I have not watched any of Naruto. I haven't watched it either, but I read it. I've read like the 
first volume, and that was at least a decade and a half ago that oh. I did that. So it's been a long time. I stopped reading when Jiraiya died. I, I was don't out. even know who that is. He's so. um a pervy master. He's basically the Master oh, Roshi of Naruto. With the white hair, right? Yes. Okay, I know. Okay, I remember who he is. Yep. Frog Hermit. Uh, but uh, Advil repl- re- repays Polnareff's kindness from earlier, and he explains that his next move, Crossfire Hurricane Special. Sure. My favorite, though, is Crossfire Hurricane 98. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see Crossfire Hurricane, I believe, directed by Martin Scorsese? No. <laughs> no, I did not. I didn't, because I don't care about the Rolling Stones. Yeah, me either. I just know it exists. Well, actually, you, you know, know the old phrase of Rolling Stone gathers no moss, and uh, frankly, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I do really like Gimme Shelter. So, have you seen that? No. It's um, it's a documentary about the Altamont Free Concert, which, if you don't know about the Altamont Concert, uh, it uh. It was a disaster. Um, several people died, I think. At least one. Uh, nice. Because, well, for one thing, they decided that to save some money on security, they would hire Hell's Angels as bouncers. And oh, also, right. pa- also pay them in beer. <laughs> and so they ended up <laughs> stabbing a guy. Who'd have thunk? I was going to ask, is this like that thing in Indiana where the stage collapsed on a bunch of people, but like, uh, it's a, a disaster of a different sort, I suppose. Yeah. No, that that other thing was just like an accident. This was straight up negligence and murder. I mean, it, there's an argument to be made that the stage collapsing was also negligence. Maybe. And I, by I extension, know. murder. Eh. I'm not really uh, but, sure. I uh, never looked cross... into the details of that whole thing, so I don't know if it was actually somebody's fault or what. I think it was It was actually just straight-up negligence. Like, I want to say some people went to jail on, like, manslaughter charges for that. Cool. Who was that on it's, stage? It's was, like, was that, um... It was, like, Sugarland or something? I don't know. I think at this point they're more famous for nearly getting crushed to death by a stage than they are for music. Probably. Uh, but Crossfire Hurricane Special. It is uh, just the same attack, but this time he can split the onk. Uh, like, and each one is capable of like independent motion, so you can sort of just send them around where wherever he wants. Um, but it's a diversion. He's just sending them out to distract Polnareff because he's shooting his actual attack like through a hole in the ground, and so it just pops up and fucks Polnareff's shit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Polnareff is on the ground now, and he's just screaming like, I hate you! <laughs> and Dio arrives, and he puts him in a suit of black armor, which is now necessary for him to live. What? Star Wars. He's oh. Oh, okay. I hate you. Dio, he's like the Emperor, because he, he just loves Here's the thing, people. though. D- to me, like, you were saying, put him in a suit of black armor, and to me, that does not conjure images of Darth Vader. Oh. Because for one oh. thing, that doesn't really seem like armor. It's more of a life support suit. Second, knowing you, I thought it was a reference to Berserk, because that also has black <laughs> armor. 
Yeah. Well, my bad. Uh, but my, don't get uh, so sassy with me. My bad. <laughs> Man, why don't you sue me? Oh. <laughs> cool. Uh, but but Abol just drops a knife on the ground and is like, "Yo, kill yourself." <laughs> Kys, bye. Uh, but Ponderosa's like, nah, man, you beat me. I'm just gonna lay here and, like, burn to death. This is cool. I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, he's like, it, it's fine. This was my fault. I'll just burn. Yeah. He, and he's uh, burning Abel for a while. the flames, and he explains to an unconscious Ponderosa if they cannot hear any of this, uh, that he is truly honorable, and then he notices a flesh bud. Flesh bud! Those yeah. tentacles are nasty! Yeah. Somebody yells. I think it's Joseph who says that. Yeah. Um, but uh once again, Star Platinum removes the flesh blood bud, and uh <laughs> Joseph says, Good. Now that the flesh bud is gone, we can be buddies. But um Yep. Yep. I was really glad that was in this. That's also in the book. Uh the same pun every time. I'm really glad that's consistent. Yeah. So it must be the but, same pun in Japanese, too. Yeah, well, I mean, he tries to, like... He says, it like, as best he could through that accent. Like, it, it <laughs> sounded like he was going for that, but then sort of, like, you know, a bit mangled. Yeah. Um. Look, look at one point they sing, I've been working on the railroad in yeah. English. And it sounded like a hot mess. So they get the flesh butt out of Polnareff, and uh, then they're about to leave. They're about to get on a ship, and Polnareff shows up. He's like, hey, I want to go with you guys. Yeah, but he has a question for Joseph because he doesn't take off his gloves. He's like, do you have two right hands? Yeah. He has a reason Uh, for that. Yes. So it it, it is that... (laughs) This it gets very abruptly dark at this point because yeah. it's like my sister was walking home from school with a friend, and this dude with two right hands came out, killed my sister's friend, then raped and murdered my sister. Uh huh. And then he says while doing a bitchin' pose that <laughs> a year ago he met Dio, <laughs> and while entering Dio's chambers. Uh, he saw a vi- uh, a vision in Dio's crystal ball of the man with two right hands, and Dio explained that it's not a vision of his creation, but rather Polnareff's, uh, and that he senses Polnareff's pain and says that he too is in pain because he cannot venture into the sunlight, so he wants to strike a deal. Uh, Dio will help Polnareff find the man that killed his sister if Polnareff helps him out, and then rather than wait for an answer to this completely reasonable-sounding deal... He just flings a flesh bud into Polnareff's skull. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Yeah. Also here, uh, Dio has a bird on his shoulder. Yes. I know that bird's name because of Salty Bud. Okay. Pet shop. I'm kind of, yes, I'm kind of upset that I, uh, that I linked you a picture earlier of a owl staring at a statue of Dio and one of the comments on that picture that I saw was, uh, man, Pet Shop, Pet Shop got fat. 
<laughs> Pet shop's cool. There aren't enough uh, animal stand users, in my opinion. There are a few, but there could always be more. Yeah, and I, I know of yeah, I know I know of Pet Shop. I'm actually bummed about that because I would have liked to have seen like that name get brought up naturally. Yeah, that is is an extremely good name for an animal stand user. It is. Um, and the thing is, in, also in, a bunch um, of in the comic that was not Pet Shop. It was just like some random ass bird. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, but, Araki uh, probably uh, hadn't like Pet Shop shows up kind of late, so. Mm. That's probably why him showing so him showing up here is probably more like a for the anime kind of like yeah cameo appearance like earlier than expected thing. Um, but a bunch of ladies show up and again like crazy for Joseph but or crazy for Jotaro but Jotaro does not like the ladies. Joseph he just really likes ladies. Uh, but Polnareff <laughs> is like oh you guys want to get your picture taken I'll take your picture uh, I'm gonna just. It's mostly going to be pictures of your banging legs, though. Yeah, I did just write down Polnareff, ladies' man. Immediately <laughs> after him telling this terrible backstory, he's just like, "Hey, well, what oh. does Suda have to say about this episode?" Oh, let me look. Oh, okay. Manga anime differences. The coins that Polnareff cuts through to show his accuracy were changed to francs. I think they were yen coins, probably, in the book, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, oh, the random bird on Dio's shoulder during Polnareff's flashback was changed to Pet Shop. So, there you go. Mm. Uh, I will talk about the animation for this episode in detail. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's your least favorite thing. Yeah, it really is. First, it was directed... I'm, I'm going to take a nap. You read this and wake me up in here. So I can't wait when you're done. First, it was directed and storyboarded by Mr. Suzuki, the series director. But we also have to talk about the young Sunichi Sunichi Ishimoto, who is an animation director for the first time. He was assisted by Masahiko Kumino, the chief animation director and character designer, whose advice and influence have resulted in these dense drawings. We initially wanted to create a 3D model of the Tiger Balm Park in Hong Kong. It soon proved to be too complicated with an unacceptable value for money. Thus, we backtracked toward the standard 2D backgrounds. Avdol and Polnareff enthusiastically battle by launching their best attacks, not without showing off in the process. After several back and forths, Polnareff is finally defeated. Personally, I like the characteristic color tones applied in this scene. Since the first episode, the omnipresence of fights tends to wildly increase the number of animation frames. This episode holds the record of around 15,000 drawings. Just like in the first one, this is because of Magician Red's flames. It reminded us that fire also burns through animation frames. Ha 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 ha. Finally, it's not specific to this episode, but the action scenes are this cool because of the animation team, of course. I want to thank them for that. There you go. Oh, lasagna. <laughs> Spaghetti. Three dollars for pretzel. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, episode six. Dark Everyone's blue. on a boat. Boats. 
Boat time! Uh, the real good bit here of Joseph looking at Kekoin and Jotaro and be like, yo, why are you idiots still wearing school uniforms? <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, well, we're students, so I guess we're gonna keep wearing them. Uh, and then I noted here, like, Poco is here, I guess? <laughs> Definitely looks like him. Yeah, like, I think that's the intent, is it's supposed to be reminiscent of him. Uh, but it is not him. It is not even a him. Um, but we will find that out in a bit. Uh, but it is a stowaway. Uh, Joseph mentions that he had checked every single crew member out to make sure that a stand user was not on the boat. So he is very disturbed that a stowaway managed to make it on board. Um, and so one of, like, the crew mates is harassing this kid. And the kid, like, bites him and just jumps off the boat. Uh, but it is notoriously shark-infested waters. Notoriously? Yes. Well known for sharks. Famous uh, and for then, sharks. Yes. Uh, shark Week commences, because one of them comes for the kid, and Star Platinum punches that shark to death. <laughs> it, yes, punches it out of the water into the air and keeps punching it during, like, in midair. Yeah. Uh. Uh, really great. So, Jotaro's in the water, and this is like the first of a, a couple instances of this that I noticed where I don't know if they're just mimicking the art in the manga or if this is unique to the anime. Someone does not know how to draw somebody floating in water because mm. he it looks like he's standing up in like waist high water like it's coming up to his midsection yeah. when if you're floating you should be submerged up to your shoulders at yeah. least oh 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 speaking of uh not knowing how to draw things did you check the thing i asked you about oh no um i will do that here in a bit and uh then we can kind of or i can do that right now if you want just do it now okay yeah why don't you explain what I'm looking for while I go grab the book? Okay. So previously, I've asked George to look in uh, his volumes of the manga series, which are the newer uh, hardcover Jojonium versions. In the version that I have, in Polnareff's flashback, where it shows um, a character, the character uh, with two right hands, he clearly just has regular hands. And... I don't know how that mistake managed to slip through because it's in the very scene where he is talking about him having two right hands, but it's in there. And so I was curious if the newer version that he has fixes that because I feel like there are other parts where this character also doesn't have two right hands. What's the word? Okay, I'm here. Uh, is there a specific shot of this that I should be looking for? Yeah, of him in the rain with the the barrier around him. Where he's buck-ass naked? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, well there's one where I can just see this man's ass. Oh, okay, here it is. Uh, hold on. I gotta... Yeah, no, he has normal hands. Yep, see? How did that get yeah. through? I don't know. So weird. Yeah, that's totally normal. Alright, well. Okay, well, mystery solved. A bizarre, a bizarre adventure indeed. Araki just 
know, just spaced out while drawing that. It's tripping over half my bedroom back there. Right. Yeah, I need to pick things up around here. Anyway, where was it? You're mad about the way they float. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm still float down here. I don't know if Iraqi's ever been swimming, but I don't think the dude gets it. Uh, You know, in fact, I got the the book. I can just see if it's in the book, too. Now that it's out. Let's just do a compare and contrast. Yes, this plays very well in a purely audio medium. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. You know, you never see Rocky swim, either. Do you? I I don't think I want to see Rocky swim. You don't? Don't want to see him splash around? Him and Polly? (laughs) Well, no, I want to see Polly splash around. I want to see... (laughs) So, all right, here's the thing. He draws it like normal, like what somebody floating in the water would look like. That is a unique to the anime, like one of the animators done fucked up. Well, great. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. Yeah, which is weird because it's consistent. There's another bit in a future episode where he is in the water and it's the same thing where it's coming up to like his midsection. Except in that one, like I can maybe get that would be shallow water. This is the ocean, though. Mm hmm. So, but, uh, as he's trying to get not Poco back on board, uh, he pats the kid's chest and realizes that it's actually a little girl. Which is kind of weird, because how would you figure that out from that? I mean, well, look, there's a there's an episode coming up. You, you maybe get a good look at her body. Not the part that he pats. Hmm. Like I don't. It? I don't know. But all right. Yeah. Straight up, she's flat. How would he <sighs> get anything from doing that? I have some things to say about Anne, as we will eventually come to know her. But because a lot of that is contained within the next episode, I'm just going to hold my tongue uh, and save all these issues I have for them. Uh, although, uh, real quick, I did not actually have a name for her in my notes until quite a bit later when somebody actually said it. And then I, I looked up why that was the case, and I believe it's that she was never given a name originally. Yeah, I, I don't think I noticed anybody calling her by any name. It it happens once, uh, quite a few episodes later, and I believe it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, they came up with this, like, after the fact, like, Rocky had to come up with a name because something came up that sort of necessitated calling her something. That happens with a couple of characters. Um, one of the stand users, even in this part, I think, was never actually named in the original book, and his name just came about from like an art book that he did later. In fact, I think it might have been an art book with Anne. I I would need to look it up again, but uh, it probably it was because I think there's yeah. one in particular that a lot of those names come from. Yeah, I I did. I had read something about like how a character's design is completely different in the book, and then like changed for the fighting game. Which one? A belly dancer. That's all I really know. Oh, you never see her, actually. In the okay. Book. In the in the book, I think it said that it's just like she's laying on the side of the road or something yeah. like that. And then like when they did the fighting game, they needed to have her character in there, but there was not like a design to go off of. So Araki made something for him. And I think like they specifically asked like, oh, could you make it a belly dancer? 
Yeah, uh, that character you never see until she's already dead because she's a very oh. long range stand character. Um, okay. And so by the time they get to her, like she's dead, and it's just like she's under a sheet, I think, or a blanket or yeah. something like that. I, I mostly found that out because I was like looking up a little bit of information about the game because I've been getting a bit interested in maybe wanting to like emulate that and try it out. And uh, but then I, I know I need to not do that because I'm going to just like ruin a bunch of this part for myself. Um, uh, it would probably just I mean, you would see the characters and their moves, I guess, but I don't know that I would really spoil there, the story. There is a there's a story mode in it. Oh. Uh, I watched the first part of it, and it does seem like they at least, because it's a fighting game and they need to keep things moving, that they change and leave out a lot of details. But still, I don't want to like risk it. Sure. Because um, I don't even know where like the bare bo- the bare bones of this necessarily goes. Um, other than kind of like the formula of like we're we're in a different location each time until we eventually get to Egypt. Like that's the the most I know of it. But anyway. Uh, Jotaro's uh, trying to pull her back on board, or no, he does get her back on board. There's a skipping ahead a little bit, but um, the the girl, or they start wondering like if she's a stand user, and she whips out a knife, yeah, and just wants to fight them one on one. She says like this demon blade of mine has tasted four hundred and eighty victims or something. Oh, my number was di- it's a. Uh, you guys want to talk or get stabbed? This demon blade is thirsting for the blood of its 340th victim. That might be it. I was just making up a number. Okay. And then Baldrev is like, man, just throw her back in the water. <laughs> it's a good reaction. And then uh, Captain Tennille shows up. His name's Captain um, Tennille. And he shows up because Jotaro's lighting up a cigarette, and Tennille will have no smoking on his ship. By the way, uh, qu- qu- r- real quick, you want to know what his name was changed to in my version? What? Captain Dragon. Why is he changed to Captain Dragon? Because someone didn't care. I guess. Someone ran out of ideas. So this is actually why I looked at my book, because I wanted to see if he was still called Captain Tennille in that, and he is. Hmm. But, whatever. That is the worst change to one of these names You know what else is terrible? There are so few music references in this that this means that I'm going to have to use Captain and Tennille music for this episode. (laughs) Because it's the only option. Oh no. That's right. Uh but uh Jotaro as he's getting a cigarette yanked out of his mouth, uh assumes that Captain Tennille is a stand user and he says, I figured out how to tell who is a stand user. Uh the smell of cigarette. Well, no, no, wait, 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 him... wait. He does not assume that. He says later that he didn't know who it was. He was just gonna try this no, on no, everybody. No, I... So mine said both Because it yeah. says that afterwards But at the start of it he's just like I wonder if this guy is a stand user Well he, he might be But he also might wonder if anybody else is too Anyway His trick is to say that The smell of cigarette smoke makes a vein pop At the tip of the stand user's nose And everyone touches their nose and gasps And Ponrev is like That can't be real And Jotaro's like 
yes, it's a lie, but I found our dumbass because the caption is touching his nose and going, oh! But here's the thing. I don't think that plan makes any sense because if you said, like, okay, if I was in a room with a bunch of people and, like, somebody had been murdered and they said, well, we know who the murderer is because when you murder someone, uh, the tip of your ear turns red. Then, even if I hadn't done it, I would still be like, oh, I'm trying to see my ear or something in a mirror. Like, you would want to yeah. check, right? Even if you don't know it's, what he's talking about. It's like that if your hand is bigger than your face, you have cancer thing. Sure. <laughs> exactly. It's basically, like, a lot of dumbasses fall for that, even if it's an easy trick to pull. But in this case, even though, again, like he says, he was just going to try that on everybody. Uh, it turns out he got it in one because yep. this dude is a stand user. Um, uh, the captain grabs uh, Anne and it's like, peace, and just jumps off the boat. Um, but Star Platinum's able to punch his stand before they actually hit the water, uh, which ends up like knocking Anne loose from his grip. And then uh, Jotaro, like, grabs her in the air and then like I think Hierophant Green is like trying to yank him up or something mm, I, I, I took bad notes so exactly well. for how this sequence like play yeah like Me too you know he... what you want to know what my notes here are uh, I huh. wrote Captain Tennille Captain Dragon Starfinger <laughs> Piss in Water that's all I wrote <laughs> nice it's very good very detailed uh, I actually, I remember how this went down now. He ends up catching on with Star Platinum, but then notices that barnacles are growing on Star Platinum's uh, fist. And so he, like, throws her up in the air, I think, and that is when Hierophant Green grabs her. Yeah. Because Jotaro gets pulled under the water. Yeah, he says something about how the barnacles are sapping his strength somehow. Yeah, it mostly looks like they're just cutting him up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Captain Tennille can talk underwater because stands are still capable of communication. Well, so Which is... the weird, uh, it seemed like Tennille was speaking, but Jotaro yeah. was not. Because Star it's Platinum stand was talking. talking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I made a note of that. I'm glad that you also noticed because yeah. it is weird. Uh, but the, the captain assumes that Jotaro can only hold his breath for about, like, two minutes. Uh, whereas he, being, like, a, a seaman, a man of the ocean, <laughs> has trained his lungs so he can stand underwater for, like, over six minutes. Which, that's a, that's a real long time, man, to be underwater. I don't even want to be underwater for, like, a minute. I don't want to be underwater for two seconds. I like going off the diving board. That's, I think that's pretty fun. I don't. You you know how I feel about water. Yes, you are def you are definitely afraid. I am also afraid of water, just not as aggressively as you are. Actually, I'm not. It's uh, just like open or dark, murky water that I don't like. Pools are fine. I once was in like a, a really really huge lake, like one of those lakes that are so big that you can't really see anything over on the other side. I was on a, a, a jet ski uh, with my brother. And idiot, like, went too fast, took the turn too hard, and I got flung off the back of it. Oh, no. Just Ugh. just my ass tossed into the water. 
And um, as I'm floating there waiting for him to come back around, something brushed up against my foot and just scared the living uh, daylights out. <laughs> that's that's uh, the stuff that I can't I can't do. Yeah. The part in Resident Evil Four, you know, on the lake with the thing and you harpoon it. Yeah. Ugh. It's a real good bit. Yeah. But like seeing depictions of that stuff doesn't scare me or stress me out. Like I'm totally cool with that. But like actually being out in like a big body of water, like in the middle of it, like I I also cannot do that. That is super freaky to me. I I still blame Banjo Kazooie for this. That level <laughs> where when you're in the water, the shark comes for you. I legitimately I th- think that's probably what did it to me. I think for me, it's the level on Mario 64 with like the big eel. That too. Yeah. Because that thing is rendered in a way that is terrifying. Yeah. Actually, and, uh, in fact, in also in Banjo Kazooie, Clanker's Cavern. Even though Clanker turns out to be a cool dude, like you come through the pipe and he's just sitting there like ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually plan to play Mario sixty four tonight. I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm on an actual cart. So I oh, got yeah. that now. You're not playing yeah. it on a badly coded emulator? Laugh track. It's such a hilarious joke. I can't believe how funny it is. The Zooper. Give you a run for like 10 seasons. And we do a, they do a show called Young Larry. It's even more funny. I'm wearing a Flash shirt right um, now. I have a green arrow shirt on and I want to lay down and scream. Just scream. Scream until the dawn comes. Anyway, they're underwater. He can, he's got six minutes of breath. Uh, Blue Moon starts forming a whirlpool with razor sharp scales in it, uh, which prevents any other stands from actually entering to save Jotaro. Um, and Jotaro goes limp so he can be carried... Just think of quickly. how fucking rich the people that made Big Bang Theory are. It's infuriating, isn't it? Yes! Like, it's so fucking maddening that you can have, like, that little talent, that little care for what you're putting out, and you get that much money. You can make an episode... You can write an episode of Big Bang Theory in less time than it takes to watch one. This is why that shit, like... I linked a bunch of it to you yesterday. That shit like that fucking Owl Turd comic. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm super good at what I do, but nobody knows. It's more that, like, just seeing anyone have that much of a fucking talent void, just a black hole where it all gets sucked away, be that successful, it drives me nuts. Yeah. It's like Chuck Lorre and his sitcoms. The best thing Chuck Lorre ever did was write the theme song to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. After that, fucking downhill the whole time. Yeah, that's and you know what? Hey, credit where credit is due. That is one of the absolute best theme songs to probably anything. It is. But how did he go from that to Two and a Half Men and whatever other garbage he's made since then? I think at some point he fell ass backwards into money and realized, like, oh, shit, I don't have to actually, like, try. Yeah. I just coast now. That's, and, and, like, that's the thing that drives me the most insane, right? Is, like, when they, they do it for so long that you realize they are totally coasting. Yep. They realize that they do not have to try. Mm. Oh, boy. 
anyway. Yeah, whirlpool sharp scales. Yeah. Oh god. Just need to calm the fuck down. Uh, yes, whirlpool, whirlpool uh, sharp scales. Nobody can jump in. Nobody can save him. So he lets himself go limp. So he gets carried to the center of it, and then uh, he uses star finger. He just pokes this man to death. Just another instance of Iraqi just making abilities up as he goes. It's like, yeah. what, if, what if he could stretch his fingers out really fast? Hey, look, here's the difference. Iraqi works very hard and is very good at what he does, and he is successful. So there is balance in the universe somewhat. He, he actually is very good. Is very. I really like his art, especially the later art. Yeah, I even like the, I mean, I know a lot of the early stuff is super, super rough, but I, I busted out the term earlier of uh, aesthetically ugly. And I think that is what that stuff is. And I, I love things that are aesthetically ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, even like, though um, that... It... Like Ralph Steadman's art? Stuff like that? Yeah, like, I, I like that stuff that looks really rough, but there is definitely a style to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you could tell someone's still trying as opposed to just, like, phoning it in. Like Rugrats. Um, yes, but also no, because I think the Rugrats are terrifying. Oh, come on. I mean... Oh, right, you have a thing with babies. Is, yeah. Uh, You're going to have a really good baby. time with a upcoming episode. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I've, I've heard mention of a baby. Oh, yeah. Um... So, uh, as this guy is dying, uh, Jotaro is like, man, it would be real gross if you wet yourself because we're underwater and there would be piss everywhere. <laughs> Even though, like, they're in the ocean. the ocean. Yeah. It would not touch Jotaro. I don't know what he's thinking. No, they're not sitting in the same bathtub or something. <laughs> it would be really weird if they were. Well, uh, that's the subject of my doujinshi I'm making. Fuck. <laughs> well, it's gender stop swap, making me Stop making me draw your doujins. <laughs> you know, the Dow Jones points have really gone down. <laughs> <laughs> Too much men sharing baths and pissing. Yeah. Really driving the value down. The doujin rate <laughs> reached an all-time low today. Look, it's hard to even say Daojin like you do. If we've not established anything in the past however many episodes that this podcast has been running, I physically cannot pronounce Japanese names. <laughs> I just cannot do it. My but mouth does not move in the way that is required to get that shit right. But Dojin is easier to say than Daojin. I'm a dumbass. I can't say it. Okay. You, if you want the reason, there's a reason I'm an idiot. I just can't get it right. Piss in the water. Go. Yes. Go. go. Uh huh. Okay. Right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's what you want me to. I don't know why you want me to do this. It seems like a really weird bit to do for the podcast. But I mean, if you're telling me to get a piss in the water, I'll go piss in the water. That's all I gotta do. I apologize to anybody listening. I am back. I, I made number one. You made lemonade. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't make it to the water though. 
Okay. We need to end. We need to end this episode. I need to change my pants. Yeah, go ahead. We're almost done. I need a new pair of pants. Uh, Jotaro one. Uh, but the captain has rigged Jotaro the boat two. to blow up. Your turn. Uh, <laughs> the boat blew up, which I, I love, by the way, because they they specifically went out of their way to get on board some sort of mode of transport that would put the least amount of people at risk, but then all of the crew of the boat died anyway. No, a good chunk of the crew comes with them. They specifically also mentioned that this oh. crew was picked by the Speedwagon Foundation. Okay, I somehow missed I might have like tabbed out to quickly make a note about something and didn't pause it because there was a bit where I was confused I've I've seen the next episode already and I, there was a bit I was confused about because they keep saying like oh this boat is abandoned but then there were, was like a bunch of crewmen yeah those are guys from this boat that hopped on the lifeboat that, okay. that makes a lot more sense now I'm not sure how I missed that uh, but you're not smart you know as as they have uh they've gotten onto like uh lifeboats or whatever they're they're waiting or i think they're trying to like figure out like okay what do we do now because we're stranded at sea and then a, a massive um like a, a freight ship just comes upon them from like out of the out of the fog and the episode ends there yeah that's it oh right suda uh Oh, differences. A scene is added, briefly showing Speedwagon Foundation doctors monitoring Holly's condition. Uh, but, but, but. There was a conversation between Dio and Inyaba that is an animated at the beginning of the next episode. Apparently it would have taken place during this segment, but they stuck mm. it onto the next one. Suda says, The key word here is water. Ha 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 ha. That's Please our tell me that Suda. was all of his notes for this episode. <laughs> oh no, we've got <laughs> That's uh, the only thing you wrote. We've got six paragraphs here. Shit. The team the well there's they're short paragraphs. The team has felt the continuity. After all this fire, we have to follow with water? Indeed, animating natural elements is never an easy task. The storyboard and direction were given to Hirofumi Ogura, who had produced a fine work. The sky is blue, the sea is blue, a blue panorama which leaves a strong impression. That's the crux of the matter. Whew. The young runaway girl also makes her first appearance, and she's been given a name for the first time. She's been dubbed Anne by Araki himself. She's never sexualized... Mm hmm... I don't know about Say that. what? <laughs> and is soaked from head Rocky, to toe. please. <laughs> and is soaked from head to toe, but she remains a brat above all. The fake captain is a colorful character, and that's why we like him. We initially hesitated about what color his clothes should be, but the obvious choice revealed itself. The sky is blue, the sea is blue, the captain is blue. Simplicity itself. I like Jotaro's famous line, Looks like we found a dumbass. It is delivered at the right moment, and integrating it in the episode was made naturally. Portraying an underwater scene correctly is really hard. 
Thankfully, Kenta Mimuro, the animation director, was accustomed with the task, with action in general, and all kinds of mechanisms. He and the animation team really applied themselves to perfect this battle, which is really classy in the end. Classy. Uh, What's classy that's not about? sexualizing Anne, but... Uh, yeah. Next. Good thing it's the first episode of the next podcast, too. Oh, shit! Cap- the captain of Captain and Tennille? His real name is fucking Daryl Dragon. Oh my god. That's why he's called Captain Dragon. I feel really bad about saying that that was a dumb name now. I'm I'm sorry, Tennille. That was a a really good... (laughs) Somehow I never knew... I feel like I maybe have heard that before, but it has exited my brain and I am glad to be discovering it again. I am legitimately all turned around on it now. Yeah. We're like before, I'm just like, that's fucking stupid. Now it's, that's a really good reference. Yeah. Well, it's it turns, it turns it from one really obvious into something super obscure, like the, um, Bruford and Tarkus ones. Yeah. So, okay. Man. Yeah. Next, next episode, we get to, immediately dive into some real dirt Ugh, God. I our hands st- are going grimy and gross and dirty and oh, God, i don't like want to watch here. shower ape rub them together talk about this monkey business look i shower ape is not nearly as gross in this as he is in the book i'll say that I'm at least ex- I am I'm very excited for this next episode of the part of the podcast because we open on on Shower Ape, and there's a lot to unpack there, and then we close on Lick 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 Lick. lick. Yeah. This next episode, you're going to need to put in your credit card info. We're going to have to age <laughs> it. Are you over real... eighteen? Click yes. Yeah. It's okay, we won't uh, rat on you. <laughs> yeah, we are no narcs. Anyway, next time will be Season 2, Episodes 7 through 9, Strength through Yellow Temperance. Oh, and uh, I, had, I had brought this up to you. Do we want to give out the email one more oh, time? Oh, sure. If you want to email me uh, with whatever you want, uh, I don't care. Email Larry at destroyallchildren.com and I can read your things on the internet if you want write whatever you want you could ask us uh, one more time what stands we would use you could tell us to shut the fuck up about movies um, well that's not going to happen so you can say that but yeah come on I mean look you can say anything you want I don't, we don't have to listen to you you ain't Sorry, my boss, boss. Yeah. Well, until anyway, next time. We appreciate every listener, even those of you that are real shitheads. So, uh, which there's been none of so far. No. Right? We only had the email. Um, well, we also only gave the email out one time. So, uh, true. Yeah, that, no, I, and that was during parts one too, which nobody cares about. I'm surprised anyone is willing to listen to us ramble so much about JoJo's and completely unrelated things, but I'm also very appreciative that there is at least some sort of an audience for this. So, That's Yeah, me too. Super... 
As I said, I wasn't joking. This was just a scam to get you to watch this. Yeah. No, and I am nothing if not easily scammed into doing things. So it worked. Good job. Yes. So, until next time. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye.